Welcome to The Nine Design, a podcast where we look at all nine Enneagram types in light of our culture as Aussies and our faith as followers of Jesus. I'm Seth, a creative, and believe it or not, I actually come from Adelaide. And I'm Serena, a coach, and I live where all cool people live, in Melbourne. (laughs) And we're excited to have you join us for The Nine Design. Let's dive into the creative ways we've been designed. This is season one and we're up to episode four already. In this episode, we're going to continue the centers of intelligence and we're going to look at the heart and feeling center. Now, if you haven't heard the last episode, it's worth listening to because we uh, jump in with the body and guts and some really helpful stuff in there. So listen to that. We've got plenty more coming up. Thanks for listening so far. If, if you've been enjoying this podcast, if you feel like it's been helpful, please subscribe. We'd love you to share this with your family and friends and leave a review if you're able to because that helps other people find us. So the centers of intelligence is what we've been talking about. That is what the sort of lens people see the world through, even though there's different types. They're kind of grouped into these different ways of understanding and viewing the the world. And so we've got three different types. We've got the head, people who think think things through like the planet. We've got the heart center, and that's sort of more of the feeling and emotions. And then we've got the gut and the body center, and that is the instinctual sort of in-the-moment way to think things through. But this episode, we're going to be talking about the heart, and I'm excited because that's kind of where I'm at, but as you'll hear, I'm probably most disconnected to this center uh, being a type three. Heart center people view life through connections with others. They, They look at the world through a relational lens. They lean towards people. They are scanning the room for the emotional temperature and they want to create connections and that's what they're looking for mostly. Their most accessible response or reaction is shame. And each of the types within the heart center have different coping mechanisms to deal with this feeling of shame. And today we're going to be looking at type two, three, and four in the heart center. These people are also motivated by attention and validation. The following type descriptions the baseline. We're not going too deep into each. So you might be thinking, oh, you guys aren't covering too much of my type yet, but we're going to dig deeper into that in upcoming seasons. With each of these types, people have given them different names, referring to uh, different elements of them. And we will always refer to the type by the number as opposed to the behavioral name, because often those names don't capture fully everything, but they are helpful. So we will refer to some of them. But what we like to do is is talk more about the, the inner motive, what's behind that type. So let's talk about type two. Now, I'll share some of the names so you can understand Uh, some of the aspects of it too. So they are referred to as the helper or the loving person or the befriender. And all these you can see have a sort of an outward look uh, to helping and and bringing others, uh, the goodness of others out. Yeah. And I think the loving person name really connects in with their longing to be wanted and loved and seen as indispensable in other people's lives, especially the people closest to them. Now, they they will try and earn this through the relational currency. They will lean in. They want to make a connection. You'll experience a type two probably when you first meet them as being warm and affectionate, uh, generous and kind. Uh, They will ask you about how you're going, uh, really try and 
uh, get to know you because yeah. they want to make that connection. They're really, really easy to get along with. Like you, you don't have to try hard to be a friend w- with a two. Yeah. And they, as they're in the heart center, they're processing the world through their feelings first. So they're kind of feeling the emotional temperature of the room and they're responding to that through their emotions as well. It's an interesting dynamic with a type two. We're going to touch on this with a type three in more detail, but for a type two, they can shape shift. Um, They can become the type of people that they think the people around them need them to be. So it doesn't matter if they're having a hard day, a bad day, a sad day. They'll go, oh, no, just suck it up because the people around me need me to be, you know, they need me to look after them. They need me to cook dinner. They need me to They need me to come in and help. And I need to be that person. And it doesn't matter how I feel inside. They're gaining approval and acceptance as that helps them feel worthy and, and worthy of that love and that acceptance that they're, they're longing to feel. Right. So if, if you've got a two in your life, that, that's kind of, they could come across that way. But what, what are some other ways we can experience that? Yeah. Sometimes because the twos have a bigger personality and they can be, you know, they're so in tune with emotions that they can come across sometimes as overpowering. And you can kind of feel a little overwhelmed by them sometimes in the room because they're running around doing stuff, helping. Sometimes, you know, I had a type two friend who, you know, I'd be eating dinner at her house and she'd be sweeping underneath my feet, you know, or, <laughs> or taking my glass out of my hand to, to, to refill it, you know, and I'd be like, I'm not finished yet. Um, but it can feel a little uh, manic or a little like intense. Uh, and sometimes people can feel... Uh, a little controlled or a little manipulated because when a two comes in and and because they're feeling that emotional temperature and those needs in the room and they're wanting to meet them, it can come across as them knowing what you need more than you do. Yeah, and and from that can come kind of like this savior mentality. Like imagine someone that when when you're talking, uh, even if you're not talking to this particular person, you're talking with a friend, and this person keeps putting in their two cents in every conversation, even when they're not involved. Like, oh, and this is how you do this. And, you know, like that, it's like this feeling like if they're not heard in this particular subject, this conversation, this thing, then who they are is lessened. Right? Who it, it isn't? They're not as important. They're not needed in this conversation, um, and that would be a really hard thing to carry. Because when that has happened to me, I respond very poorly to that. And that's something I need to grow in. But I'll often reject that. Like if someone's adding to a conversation, they're not part of it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to look at that. You know, I just kind of ignore it. And that's really unhealthy. So don't do that. But what that can do to a two is actually make them feel rejected, not their words rejected, but who they are on the inside. As a person, I am rejected. I'm unworthy. I'm unwanted. I'm not needed in this conversation. And that's where this shame comes in. Like shame of who I am actually is not worth anything. Uh, And that would be really hard to deal with. I mean, everyone in the heart uh, center struggles with shame at different ways. And twos, I know, carry this. Um, And and this is related to this pride of if, if I am not the savior in this particular conversation, then I don't know what the point is, right? Like yeah. I need to be that I am the one that actually needs to fix things and an unhealthy to thinks that everyone else needs help except for me, right? Uh, everyone else needs to be fixed but I'm good. Don't don't even talk about my feelings. Don't talk about my needs. Let's talk about your needs. And what that is actually saying is, Spirit, 
you don't need to work on me, right? This whole thing of sanctification for me, don't worry about that. Let me work on everyone else. And that can be super unhealthy. Yeah. And the, the flow on effect of losing sight, the important things that are going on inside of them and feeling like oh, that this isn't important, you know, that can lead them to become so busy rescuing people and trying to fix everybody else's problems uh, that even the closest people to them can suffer because the people in their closest inner circle can become an extension of them. And they're like, no, well, of course I'm meeting their needs. I'm meeting everybody's needs. So they're fine. But my focus needs to be on fixing the wider group now. And this can lean into different subtypes. So I'm not saying all type twos are like this, uh, which we're not going to touch on today. But that can also be a danger of this pride and shame. So many of these things we just spoke about, they're the underlying motivations that you won't see on the, the surface. You know, these are these are the things laying beneath it. And there are many gifts that you will experience on the outward of being with around a two and being friends with a two or being in a family with a two that they can bring into any space they're in. So you'll experience them as being sensitive and empathetic. Like we spoke about a nine, you know, they can sense that need from a different motivation, but they can still tap into the needs of those around them. Yeah. And they're they're good at actually stepping into their shoes and seeing it from their point of view. Um, They're also really, really good at bringing people together. Like they're great at seeing what's needed and then and, and kind of forming a team around that when they're healthy. You'll often find them in roles that are helpful, supportive, serving kind of roles. A lot of my type two friends are in those. They could be parent helpers at school. I know a couple who are nurses. I know a couple who are teachers. So they have that real people oriented let me help you, let me serve, let me be around people, uh, let me meet their needs yeah. kind of roles. And they're the people you want to be around. They're really warm, they're really nice, encouraging, uh, and super generous. Like, uh, I know we're saying this outside of the podcast, some of your two friends are the most generous people you know, generous with time, with money, uh, with money, with food, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. You want a type two in your corner when you, you know, when you are going through a hard time. I mean, you want them in your life all the time, but in those times where you are struggling, they can bring you the most amazing gifts that you know other types may not be as in tune to bring. And as they are so thoughtful, especially of others, you know, this leads them to communicate uh, in, in advising, warm. You know, that may be some of their communication style. Although sometimes in maybe in stress, they can be flattering and ingratiating. Okay. Could okay. What what would cause the stress to come out in the twos? Because they struggle to put boundaries around themselves, they have trouble saying no. You know, they can be people pleasers um, and that can stress out a too because they're not making enough time for themselves. They're not making enough time to kind of pour in the things that they need and, and maybe take down time because they can feel guilty about that. Right, which is that shame coming in like, oh, I'm not allowed to do that. And, and so as a follower of Jesus, this is where the Spirit's work in a two is amazing because as they're abiding in Jesus and knowing, I need your help, I need you to help me, there's that humility is brought out. And that is one of the most beautiful things for a two, uh, especially um, going against that fighting of that pride to be able to say, no, I actually need help. I'm a human. I'm not Superman. Um, and that's where the Spirit pours out that grace and saying, yes, you have needs. You uh, are someone that I desire and I love and let me help you. Uh, and and that's the spirit is called the helper. Let let the spirit help you too. 
Yeah, totally. And and that embracing humility helps the two on their pathway for growth and transformation. Let's shift up a little bit. Um, you know twos, I know twos. What, what are some things, some phrases that you have actually heard twos say, just in case there's a listener thinking, I wonder if that's me, this might be able to help work it out? Yeah, some I have a couple of type twos in my community and often you'll find that they're the ones who are handing out the drinks and the snacks. You know, they're checking in. Do you want to, do you want a tea or a coffee? Are you thirsty? Yeah. You know, what can I do to help you? Are you sure you're not thirsty? Um, and another one that I've heard quite a bit, and this is something that connects to their, their need to, to help those around them is the, I really think my advice would help them. Right. Yeah. Or I really wish they would have taken my advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about this one? Uh, Oh, no, 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 that's okay. Don't worry about me. You go for it. <laughs> like that's the sort of thing where so I, I don't have any needs. Mm. Um, so, again, look, these are very general. Um, we we love twos and you you got to understand as a two, uh, you are needed. You are needed in our community. We need you. Um, but you also need us. Uh, to help shape you. And this is the work of the Spirit. He's designed us to need each other, to work together so that together we reflect uh, who our designer is. And so we we want to thank the twos and encourage you to recognize uh, that, yeah, you need help just as much as we need help. And the humility that's found in recognizing the need for Jesus is there for all of us. And so we want to champion you twos to seek that. Turn to Jesus, turn to the Spirit, listen to how He can help you. So now we're going to talk about type three. Woohoo! Now, this is one that I know Seth has been super excited about <laughs> talking about. <laughs> and I have been as well because I have a lot of type threes that I love in my life. And I am excited to explore this type with our listeners. So, some of the names given to the type three are the achiever, the effective person, or the performer. And these names all link into different elements of type three behavior. Now, Seth, I think you'll have some excellent insights on what it's like to be a type three. So how about you give us a basic rundown of some type three personality traits? Yeah. So as you can gather by those names, effective person, achiever, performer, uh, these are all like showing how type threes value productivity, efficiency, <laughs> success. Um, and, and there can be like this competitive uh, element to it. But in general, threes are really, really driven. They like to get things done. Uh, they move fairly quick. They think very quickly. Uh, they're really good on their feet. They can sort of uh, like things change and like, cool, and they run with it. Um, threes are really good at reading a room. Uh, and they can be very uh, good, in not a good way, at mimicking what people need. So they step into a room and they know, oh, this is what I need to be to fit here. Um, and it's not always in a bad way. It, it can be in a way of, uh, like, I found personally, uh, I kept falling into these leadership roles because there was a vacuum. No one else was doing it. I'd step in there. It needed to be done. 
I just did it. Um, and so sometimes it can be healthy, sometimes it can be unhealthy. But what I what I know is there's this fear of failing. With threes, uh, there's this fear of looking bad. Um, threes are really concerned about how others view them. Uh, that's why they want to succeed. That's why they want to look good. But with that fear of failure uh, comes this sense of worthless because this is where the shame is in there. They actually feel like I, I am not good. If people view me in this way or if I have not succeeded or if I have not done what, you know, I don't have any credibility or whatever it might be. So this really motivates them to do whatever it takes to win recognition, to win credibility, to get on the top where people recognize that they are worth listening to, that they are valued. Um, And so this has some good and bad elements to it. Uh, But in general, Threes like taking risks. They love living in the future. They're task-oriented. They can get a lot done. uh, And they often energize and encourage the people around them in that process. They are the anchor point of the heart center. Like we mentioned last episode about a type nine, what this means for the type three is that they will take, they'll receive the information through their feelings, but they will reprocess and respond by either thinking or doing. So they are actually feeling repressed. So they are far more comfortable with acting and thinking than they are with feeling. Right. So even though I'm in the heart center, I struggle with connecting with my emotions and feelings. Yeah, that's right. When I first learned about type threes, I was really surprised that they struggled to connect with their emotions because I think my experience with a lot of type threes is that they, I thought they were in tune with their emotions. I thought, yeah, these guys, you know, they, they talk, they make me feel good about myself. But then as I started thinking maybe a bit deeper about that, I thought, oh, actually none of the conversations I've had with my type three friends, did they actually talk about emotions? Yeah. And particularly their emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Threes are good at, at, Uh, articulating how you're feeling and and diving into that. Uh, And this is where that deceit sort of comes in. It isn't a deceit where uh, a three wants to be deceitful to you and pretend they're something they're not, but it's a deceit that is reflected back on them. They actually can deceive themselves. They don't know who they are. They don't know how they feel because they're they're trying to be something to other people, uh, which is a dangerous place to go. Yeah, as they're always reading that social temperature and what is going to gain me the most approval in this setting? Who do I need to be? What it's it's a masking. It's that what mask do I need to put on to be given that attention and validation that I desperately need and want and to make me feel loved and and to make me feel, you know, validated and that I'm worth something, that I'm valuable. So they can construct an image or a brand. <laughs> <laughs> And you're laughing? (laughs) I am. Yep. This is not what I want to hear, but you're right on the mark, so keep going. So with the type three, it's part of that reading the room, reading the circumstance, reading the role I'm in. And what does that role, what does this room, what do this people group need me to be in order to gain the approval of this room? So that brand, that image is all constructed around that. But that that ties in with the deceit because it's like, well, do the people around me love this image I'm presenting or do they love me? And that becomes really blurry and murky for a type three. And that deception is that, well, who really am I? Am I this brand? Am I only the brand I'm presenting to the world? And take that brand away and what are you left with? That's a real scary place for a type three to be in. Type threes can become intolerant and impatient with people that are getting in their way of achieving their goals. So, you know, they can mow over people kind of like a type eight we mentioned last episode, where it's just like, 
just get out of my way so I can get stuff done. I need to be efficient. I don't want to fail. And things that are slowing me down or preventing me from achieving my goals feel really de-energizing for a type three. One of the ways that um, I've been growing through this is shifting from seeing someone as a project and not seeing them as a person. Uh, And I've known that in the past, when I see people as a project, uh, they're just a thing I need to fix or I need to do or I need to whatever it might be Um, but to see them as a real person you can't walk over someone when you see them as a real person and so that's been something for me personally to actually learn how not to do that because I definitely did that in my 20s I I saw the goal I just went there if you're not with me too bad I'm gonna walk over you and that's really unhealthy that's because people can sometimes be seen as something to tick off a to-do list now type threes love ticking things off to-do list yep and that's that's been something I've learned about you through creating this podcast. We've, you know, if I create a to do list, you're like, yes, makes do- me feel successful. We've it we've done it. It does. Good. Yep. So that is something that's really energizing for a type three: completing tasks, ticking things off a list, even if it's not uh, literally ticking it off a physical list, even if it's just in their mind, like a mental list. And they thrive on positive feedback. So even positive self feedback can be really affirming for a type three. Okay, so what happens then when a type 3 doesn't get that positive feedback? Where, where do they go with that? That's where failure can come in, which can be really debilitating for a type 3. They don't, for the word failure is not in their vocabulary. Right, and, and it isn't, it isn't the, the failure of the thing I did, but it's I am a failure. And this is where shame is huge because so shame is big in this whole intelligence center of the heart. But for threes, it is that value, that worth. Who I am is so wrapped up in what I'm doing that if what I'm doing fails, who I am is a failure and worthless. So they will deny and avoid shame. So that's part of that putting on this successful image, wearing the mask, putting up a brand. Right. So what's the pathway out of that? How This is me being a three, wanting to move through this. What's the pathway to get through that? Practice truthfulness and vulnerability, you know, to tap into their real emotions and not this polished persona that they're always presenting to the world, that they can open themselves up to the truth that they can be loved for who they really are and not for this image that they're presenting. Yeah, we need to hear that. As threes, we need to know that we are valued purely because of who we are, not what we do. And that, that's a beautiful thing uh, once once that lands, once we have seen this, the way that God has designed us and seen the beauty in that. We don't have to do all these things to get that affirmation. Um, yeah, so it, it's great not to have to carry that around. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk a little bit about maybe a handful, not too many, because I know there's way, way too many positive things about a three, but um, <laughs> sarcasm, by the way. Um, <laughs> why don't we talk about a handful of really good things? that So threes out there, who, who they're a gift to the community. Let's say how. Yeah, absolutely. I My team leader is a type three and he is one of the best people I've ever known. And he has this desire to add value to everything he's a part of. And one of his common phrases is, did we add value? Yeah. And often threes do. Wherever they're in, they, they energize the people around them. They really help people step into the better version of them, which is really, really cool. Yeah. They encourage others by giving them courage to be their best, by motivating them by giving them this vision for who they could be in the future. And that's such a gift. People will often follow them. And because they have this 
charisma. They're ambitious. They have vision. They have uh, dreams and goals that they like to achieve and they do achieve them. So they don't have these this long list of dreams and goals that they just talk about endlessly and never make happen. Let's talk about a few things threes say. I could say anything and that would be what a three <laughs> says, but Serena, why don't you say what some threes say? Things I've heard Seth Emery say, <laughs> I think I, I've just rephrased, that person did a good job, but I think I could do it better. <laughs> I have said that several yeah, times yeah. Uh, in a non-arrogant way. It's very genuine. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think another one where I think your wife will definitely agree with this one, you know. <laughs> How did I take on those extra 10 projects? How did that happen? <laughs> Where'd they come from? <laughs> uh, yep, yep. Or um, what about this one? I know I can do it and I know I can do it well. It's this idea of I, I, I can, I'm speaking to myself, I can do this, we can do it and I'm going to do it well. Yeah. But that's coming from a place where you genuinely believe that though. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. It's not that false sort of. No, it's not a false humility. Power. It's, it's yeah. a, yeah, it's, I can do that and I will do it well. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I'm going to say one more. Um, and again, this is me practicing vulnerability, but I've genuinely thought this. Uh, so please be gentle. But I've thought, why wouldn't people like me? <laughs> <laughs> Which is very unique for the Enneagram uh, thing. So. <clears throat> yeah. I've definitely heard type three say that. Yeah. Why wouldn't they like me? Of course they like me. Everybody likes me. <laughs> I can now say that in pure sarcasm. So type threes, um, we need to hear a number of things. We we need to hear that one, yes, we are part of this community and that uh, God God has designed us a certain way that is good. It is a good thing. There is value in who we are. We don't have to earn anything. Um but we do also need to realize that we as threes aren't how we see ourselves. We are who God has designed us to be. And we need the people around us to help speak that into it because we struggle with that self-deceit. We see things through uh, rosy glasses. Uh, we are blind to so many things. And so the good news is the spirit speaks to us. He is the one who is the most successful being in the universe. We can learn from him. We can find Find identity and value in who he is and how he's wired us. So if you're a three out there, be encouraged. And the best and most healthy thing you can do is connect with a community that loves Jesus and loves you. So type fours are who we're going to talk about now. And like every type, they have been given different names that sort of summarize who they are, but don't capture everything. Here's a couple of the names. One is the individualist. Another is the original or the authentic person. Uh, another is the artist or the romantic. And all of these have to do a little bit with like the creative side. Now, some commentators, some books uh, really harp on how creative fours are. And fours are very good at explaining what's in their mind and getting it out in some creative way. But every type is creative. So we're not going to just say fours are the only creative ones. Um, everyone has strengths in that area. But fours are amazing in the way that they do have the ability to connect with their emotions. And so let's share a little bit, um, Serena, about uh, what makes a four a four. Yeah, these names are definitely 
interesting descriptors of the type four, and there's good reason for this. So ultimately, they are interested in authenticity in all its forms, especially when it means being true to themselves. So they long to be seen and loved for how unique and special they are. They want to be authentic. They want to be original and individual. They don't want to go with the crowd. They don't want to blend in. They want to stand out and they want others to see what makes them unique and authentic and valuable and to call that out and to recognize that. That's because they fear that they could be mundane, boring, defective. They they think that they are flawed or insignificant. Right, because this thought of I'm lacking something, I need to make up for it, here's what I have to offer, check this out type of a thing. Now, they have lots of gifts that they can bring to a community. Uh, one of them is the fact that they are so in touch with the emotional language. Like they are able to put words to uh, things that, the majority of us haven't even thought about, like a feeling or um, an experience. They can they can articulate it in a way that's really, really helpful um, for all of us to be like, ah, oh, I get it. This is why a lot of fours uh, are into creative things, art, poetry, music, because that is expressing sort of the, the abstract words in ways that people can get. And that's a beautiful thing to have. Um, they can also sit uh, in the hard emotions, the, the sad part of life, the, the melancholy moments, and, and they feel all right. They're, they're kind of happy to be sad in some ways. Yeah, that taps into their sensitivity and their empathy. Uh, they can be amazing, good listeners. Mm. They are super intuitive uh, to the feelings of, of those around them because they are in that heart center and they, they not only process the world through their emotions, but they will express emotionally as well. So they're comfortable with all kinds of things, you know, with all kinds of emotions coming in and going out. They're, they're okay with that. They will give attention to the people's feelings around them. So, you know, if you're going through a hard time, a type four is one of the best people to sit and listen to you talk about that hard time and to for you to process with them about it. They also have a way of viewing the world. Like they see beauty in a leaf. They see beauty in architecture. Whatever it is, there is beauty and they are, they are able to draw us into that, to sort of the, the awe and the wonder. Yeah, and I think that links to their idealism. So they see the beauty in nature and, and what you just described, but they also see that the potential for the world to be like that. And they want to create that either through their art or their creativity or their music, whatever that expression, their clothing, whatever they identify with as being part of what makes them their most authentic selves, that is how they express their idealism to the world. Right. So they're communication style. So how they get that across is often, uh, like we mentioned, lyrically, uh, it might be lamenting. Uh, it's it's this expressive sort of emotional, uh, intense way of communicating. And sometimes I have, I've been a bit overwhelmed by some of that because it is so, it is so intense. Uh, and that, that can be something that is a beautiful thing. Uh, and if the listener or the person they're talking to is in an unhealthy space, they can actually be really annoyed at that and like, dude, settle down, give me some space, stop being so melodramatic or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of this fine line they have to walk uh, at being a four. Yeah, they can have mood swings and, and highs and lows more than any other 
another type on the Enneagram. So they can go from being intensely excited or full of joy and then they can go to these low lows of, of being in that place of melancholy and sadness. Uh, and because they are always longing and searching for what they do not have, this missing piece that's inside of them, that keeps them in this place in the present of dissatisfaction and discontent. Man, and I just want to say, if you're a four and listening, that that is got that's got to be a hard thing to carry. That is got to to always feel like you're lacking something or missing something. And so, um, though many of us can't fully relate to that, I, I want you to know that. Um, yeah, we we're hearing that, and it, it's it's really important that you see that you're not actually lacking. You you have so much to bring to the table. But be aware, as a four, that can kind of that longing, that lack. I feel like I'm missing something. Everyone else is something that can bring this this desire to like almost a jealousy and envy. Like how come they get it and I don't? Um, and so that's something to be aware of. Um, Serena, could you sort of unpack that envy feeling there a little bit? Yeah. For a type four, they look around, they see that others have what they're missing. And so that, as you mentioned, it leads to envy. It's different to jealousy. It's this um, looking at others and, and desiring what, what they have because, and they feel like that they'll never attain that. And so envy can be dangerous and, and it leads the type four into feelings of shame as which the heart triad types struggle with. So they will, the type fours will attempt to control this shame by focusing on these unique and special qualities, highlighting these, you you know, individuality, uniqueness, creativity, um, putting that on display. um, It maybe even is their branding in order to deal with these feelings of shame. So the pathway out of this feeling of shame and, and to get out of envy is aiming for equanimity, which basically just means emotional balance. Okay, so instead of having the highs and lows all the time and and, uh, to be able to sort of plateau a little bit and be able to be comfortable where you're at, even if it's not where you want to be and all that sort of thing. You know, some type fours I know who are super healthy, they're putting things in place so they can feel when these highs and lows are coming on. And they're putting measures in place to be able to balance that and to be able to prevent the too low from coming. You know, they can feel the high and then... And then, you know, it can drop all of a sudden. So in order to put those things, so safeguards in place is a really healthy thing for a four. So putting in, um, I need, I know if I'm feeling, if I'm starting to get really worked up or feeling really high, I know I just probably need to slow down, take a bath, read a book, have a, have a nap, whatever that is, just to kind of calm those emotions down, go talk to my therapist, whatever it is. And that, that will prevent me from hitting that rock bottom low. Right. And and you can catch yourself if you're a four, if you constantly are living sort of in uh, what it used to be like, that was way better back then. And if only I, in my childhood where I grew up this way, if only things were like that, how come everyone's changing or whatever it might be. Or if you're kind of jumping ahead and be like, oh, finally, when that happens, then life will start. Then I will, once I release this album, then I'm going to be a musician. You know, if you can catch yourself doing that and actually realize, be present, what you're doing here is worth listening to, worth being part of. Um, I think that's really important. Now, Serena, could you share a few phrases that maybe you've heard fours say, um, again, general, This is we're not going to be typing them, but these are things that you can listen to and hear as potentially you might be a four if you say this. Yeah. One of these phrases is, when is my real life going to begin? So that, that links into the, you know, I, I, I want 
I'm waiting. I'm, you know, I'm waiting for this, this, this thing to happen and then, then my life will really take off. Right. And it's similar to that, as I was saying, looking back, like, oh, I wish things were like they used to be. If only that was what it was. That, mm. That's a phrase I've, I've heard a lot. Mm. And then lastly, it's like, what's all of this for anyway? <laughs> so type That's a big question. <laughs> it absolutely is. And type fours can often struggle with that, the mundane, as mm. I mentioned before. So it's like, why do I have to pay bills? Why do I have to cook dinner and wash clothes and vacuum the floor? What's all that for anyway? That's not creative. That's not unique. That's not special. So for those of us who can relate to the type fours, I want to encourage you. You see beauty in creation in the way that the majority of the world isn't able to. You can articulate it in a way that we need to hear. We need to see. You have the ability to mourn with those who are mourning and to sit in that space and not rush ahead. And that is a beautiful thing. We as humanity need you to be present to us to be in that area with us. The good news is your real life has started now. You're not lacking anything in Jesus. You don't have to wait till that day to actually start living. You are special now. What you bring is very needed. And we as a community need that. As much as you as an individual, a special, unique person, need the community to see your kingdom identity be lived out and to be at best balanced because of who you are in a group. So we love you guys and we appreciate the the pains and the struggles you have got to go through that has shaped you to who you are now and encourage you to find that strength and that lacking feeling, find that fullness in Jesus because that's only where you're going to find it. So it's pretty clear that in the heart center, we all struggle with shame. Uh, The difference between shame and guilt is guilt says, I did something wrong, whereas shame says, I am something wrong. Shame has this effect on our identity. And if we are living in our old self, if we find our identity in who we think we are, our, our coping mechanisms, we will find shame. But when we find our identity in our new self, in our kingdom identity, shame does not exist. See, God created us to be very good, not just to do good things, but to be good. We are made in God's image and God is good. And so when we recognize our kingdom identity is us, new beings, new creations in Christ, shame is gone. There is no shame in Jesus. There is no condemnation in Jesus. This new identity as sons and daughters in God's kingdom is something that is beautiful and all of us who struggle with shame need to remember that. So the heart center is so valuable and so needed in this world and in all communities we are a part of. We can't function out of just our heads or our guts. We need our heart. We need to feel things. We need to have emotions and that they are a really healthy part of being a whole person. How good is that? Thanks, Serena. Look, we've got a lot more coming up in episodes. Uh, Next week, we're going to finish the Intelligence Center. We're going to talk about the Head and Thinking Center, which I'm sure, Serena, you're excited about. We also have the Unseen Connections. We'll be talking a whole episode on that, how we're connected, even though there's no lines and wings and all that. Uh, and we, we need you to send in any questions you've got. We're going to have a whole episode dedicated to us responding to that. So 
anything to do with Enneagram, uh, I'm just going to hand them to Serena and she'll use her wisdom and I just stand there and smile. So make sure that happens. And then we're going to finish this season with a special guest, an interview with her. Bit of a surprise there. But look, thank you so much for listening. If you find this podcast helpful, we would love you to subscribe and to share it with your friends and family. And look, if you could leave us a review wherever it is, we would really appreciate that because that will help others find this podcast. And remember, you were designed to reflect the original.